this week on The Open Nesters, Jahira and Marvin. And this woman came down with two guys and somehow we got to talking and she introduced them as her husband and her boyfriend. And that sparked an aha moment for me. This is what I want. That's it. This is what I want. Welcome to the Open Esther's podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. Today we're going to hear from Jahaira and Marvin, dear friends of ours, who have been so playful and joyful in their evolution and teach us how playfulness can get us through the hard stuff. And their traditional background evolved so much and they became consensual non-monogamous as part of their authentic journey and teaching their kids also that relationships are always in development. So let's hear their story. Hello, Jahira and Marvin. How are you doing tonight? We're doing awesome. Excellent. Wonderful. I am so, so, so pleased and excited to have you on the Open Nestor podcast. It is a real privilege to uh, bring on old friends. We actually have met about eight or nine years ago. We were still in the swinging world. We were in that transition mode where we are we're opening our relationship. You were very much in the swinging world. And uh, we were definitely in the middle of it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I guess you could say we've never actually stopped. We're more like a pause. Yeah, you were pausing. And what happened is that uh, you uh, kind of looked at us and we're, you're trying to understand what polyamory is, what open relationship is. And you said, we are not quite there yet. And uh, fast forward to... Uh, uh, five, six uh, years forward, and here you are. You've done this quantum leap that you have an in such an interesting story to tell. And it is um, exciting for all of our audience to hear and uh, listen how you made that quantum leap from that point to your full-fledged quad open relationship. So, but we will get into that as well. Uh, Tessa here has some questions for you and uh, we are so pleased to have you on board. I met 
Yahaira, when we were at a, at a great dancing New Year's party in the women's room and we had an instant chemistry and it was just so natural to communicate with both of with you and then eventually the four of us. And we had so much fun having you for dinner and enjoying company together that this is such a treat for us to see your faces and speak to you this way. Well, we've had we've had fun all of these years. Yeah, it it really was a natural friendship. Correct. And, and, you know, you have such an interesting story to tell, and we, we are so happy that uh, you can share it with us. So I'm going to take you back to the beginning, kind of thinking about your origins and what influenced your feelings and beliefs in general, each of you, about marriage and family uh, when you were growing up. I came from a very traditional background. I mean, it's to the point where my parents formally dated were never alone until the day that they were married. And lo and behold, I was born nine months to the day of their wedding. Wow. You were born here? You were born here. Yes. I'm the firstborn in this country. You know, what I witnessed was, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. Even though I have a couple of aunts that ended up divorced, that it was not the norm. But my grandmother was never formally married either. So it's very interesting because then the primary... Uh, example were my parents and um, actually just growing up within the city where I grew up in they have always been the example and even have offered marriage advice when things have gone wrong like I've witnessed what a marriage quote-unquote is supposed to be even though I was feeling or I was developing different things I for example I thought maybe I was gay because I was interested in girls at a young age. But, you know, coming from a Latino household, that's not something that's discussed or disclosed or share. And I was also attracted to boys. So that was really confusing. And I, you know, I, but I didn't have the opportunity to explore that due to cultural norms. And I don't know if Marvin wants to. Marvin, would you like to go backwards a little bit? Yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, my parents were alive and. Were you born in the States? Yes. I'm the only one in my family also born in the States. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Both my parents are from overseas and my sister. And they, uh, until my father passed, um, my parents were together for, for years. And that was just how it was. Um, so me too. I also came from a. A uh, strong marriage, very uh, strong Caribbean background and values. Whereas you have to work, you have to provide, and if you want to date and be with somebody, you know, make sure you're established first. Make sure they have similar values that you are also going to be uh, mindful of, so that you both can be, you know, be sturdy and be progressive together. In a sense, you're both going to do well. So not somebody's bring you down, but somebody's going to help build you up. So you came from a very traditional household, very conservative, very conservative. And when you Mm -hmm. met in college, I believe, how did you first discover that you were not as traditional as uh, as your family? We actually started rather traditional with, say, non-traditional on the side. I think that's the best way to describe it. (laughs) On the side. Because, and Marv has definitely said this more than once that despite some doubts from our family, we did everything the right way. You know, we are in a sense, the ideal couple 
which it has a lot of pressure. Our kids, in a sense, saw that mm-hmm. also. And to then transition, and I guess we'll talk about it a little bit later, we'll go into a little bit further for our kids to realize that there was more to our relationship. The non-monogamy was a, a bit of a transition and a shock for them. And one out of, we have three uh, children, one out of the three has is still having more difficulty than her siblings. Jahaira, wow, I love I love saying that name, Jahaira. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when you say that you were uh, on the side, what do you mean by that? I mean, on the side, you had the relationship uh, toward everybody else, that you are the perfect couple, happy go. Yeah, pretty uh, much. I mean, we've always presented yeah. ourselves as as the ideal. As a matter of fact, a lot of standards are based on our relationship. Yeah. Again, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. In college, he was a couple of years ahead of me, but uh, at one point he left and I was on my own and I did have a lot of one-time encounters. In my head, I believe at that time- Both men and women. No, just men. Just men. Just men. I was attracted to women, but I was too shy to approach women. So when did that all change? When did you start feeling that you were able to be open with each other and start discussing? I mean, was there a aha moment of saying, we are not traditional, we are not going to operate in a traditional manner? How did that actually- Yeah, and where that- on the side started. <laughs> you could say that we're pretty organic, everything that we do. And, and that's probably a lot has to do with me. I think that Marvin realized soon a witness that my interests were varied mm-hmm. and took advantage of that to a certain extent, because I did ask him not long ago in terms of why didn't you leave me when you knew that I had all of these one night stands and he said, you always came back to me. Oh, wow. wow. Beautiful. So, and that was right know, at the beginning. That was, well, mm. yeah, we talked about it now, 20 some years later. But yeah, right from the beginning, once I lost my virginity, basically, it almost felt like it opened a door that it was just like, what, you know, I'm attracted. Let me see what happens. And all of them really wow. did not necessarily fulfill me. I, it's just... It was a need of that moment, and I kept it moving. Nothing was ever serious. Do you think you were going against your tradition, your, against your values? Were you rebellion right. in some fashion? Exactly. I wouldn't say rebellion. I think that... Curiosity. Curiosity, curiosity. But was there guilt? Yes. And I kept waiting because he would ask me, you know, what were you up to? I would be honest. I never lied. I was always very forthright. But I knew I was taking a chance of pushing it. And I was always waiting for him to say, this isn't, this isn't what I want. But he went along. And as far as I really know you and love you, I feel like you're such an embodied woman that you were just really letting your body speak for you. And that, I mean, it does have, that's, that's, a, that's a process of as we, as we mature to figure out how to connect that. And I wonder how that, I mean, eventually with women, for example, how did you decide that you were, able to, to discuss, to start having relationships with women, sexual relationships and experiences. Well, Marv, actually, when we were, we had already graduated and we were engaged. We already knew we were getting married. And uh, he brought up, I had never heard of the term, but it sounded exciting. And he was giving me permission. 
And as we started in going to parties, going to, at that time, a lot of hotel parties, um, fast forward, we uh, moved to New York City once we were married mm -hmm. and we started going to clubs and, disco and discovering things there. And I finally had an opportunity with a woman because it was a couple's thing. Mm -hmm. And I was fascinated. So you were in the swinging lifestyle. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance to explore the feelings, those interactions that I had prior, because I had some serious crushes. Mm -hmm. But those crushes, nothing came about. Again, I was extremely shy. But then I got to explore the female body with swinging. I see. Without the commitment. Okay, so let, let's fast forward just a bit to your to the open nester stage, because you've recently now had kids, I think you still have one left at home. And, I, and, that your, and that your children are really giving you the sense of they are becoming, they're going to have their own lives, you're going to have your own space, mm -hmm. and figuring out, first of all, how you transitioned and how you're transitioning emotionally with that. I wanted to hear how you're doing with that. And has being communicative with them been helpful? And how have you been communicative with them about your relationships? Yeah, but, you know, to go backwards a little bit, two step backwards, you know, you got to a point where the swinging world wasn't really what you're looking for. And you, there was some kind of an aha moment where you say, we need more than that. And that's where you start opening your relationship. So can you go back to that and tell us about that right. before from you answer? From swinging to poly, exactly. Yeah, from Let's swinging to poly, that's what, what was that bridge and how you got there? And then you can go back to uh, how the kids relate to that. So in, uh, I want to say, must have been, we had, might have been married 10 years or so, maybe less actually, because the kids were rather small. We had attended a, a party and this woman came down with two guys and somehow we got to talking and she introduced them as her husband and her boyfriend. And that sparked an aha moment for me. So you're saying, how, said, how's that possible? Yeah, well, no, I didn't even question it. You didn't even question it, it. No, what I did was turn to Marv and said, this is what I want. Amazing. That's it. This is what I want. But yeah. it wasn't until several years later that due to life circumstances that I encountered someone that I actually got emotionally involved with. And Marvin, when she told you, this is what I want, mm -hmm. how did you, how did you react? How was that possible for you? I mean, did you question it? Did you try to figure out her motives? What is it? Did you figure out what am I, what's and, my role in that trial? Insecurities and jealousies yeah. that naturally yeah, I, come up for all of us when we are yeah. faced but, with but this. But that fight. moment that she told you, that's what I want. Yeah. I guess at that moment, I really didn't have a reaction yet because of the fact that I wanted to see where this would go. As as she had, as Jihad has said before, she's always come back to me. So is this just another curiosity? Is this something for real? Is this something she just, you know, I'm gonna give this a try and then come back to you. What is it, you know? So it's kind of like, you know what? And I know given her upbringing, given her family, given how she's the firstborn, so she has to set the standard. She has that, the rules are more stringent. Right. So given this, I really didn't have, I've never been really a jealous 
person in that sense, in terms of, oh, she's going to, yeah, in, in terms of, oh, she's going to leave me for him. Because of, and I guess a lot of it has to do with just how we've evolved. Like, we were friends before we got romantically involved. So, also, I'd like that, to, I, I wanted to point out that, that I really do think, and, I, and Amir and I are in the same way, same boat, right, is that right. we came from very attached, well, securely attached families that gave us the love, that right. showed us the example, that mm-hmm. commitment really counted. And so I think it's interesting that jealousy is a natural emotion, but that you went ahead and right. said, let me see where this goes. I tr- There was a trust. Yeah, that is a huge thing that I always want to point out. That's a huge thing. And the thing also about it is, and I've learned this just in years, jealousy is a selfish emotion. Correct. Jealousy is an emotion that only affects one person. It affects whoever's feeling jealous. Once you get past that, that it's a selfish emotion and you kind of, why am I feeling this way? And you think, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, we have an issue. Worst that can happen is we just separate and we go our separate ways. And once you've accepted that's the worst that can happen, it's like, okay, that's not going to happen. Why am I really feeling this way? Do I feel threatened by this other person who she has met for 10 minutes and I've been with her for 10 years? I shouldn't. So it's all of that go kind of thinks I'm just like, eh, I'm not really worried about that. But then again, more if 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 within 10 minutes he has taken control over her that she is so moved that swayed which i know won't happen <laughs> yeah, because i right. know her so you know so she's telling you uh that's what i want and right you your reaction is kind of muted and I'm then just, right yeah and then you're kind of like okay let's see if what the, the one of those you know thing that she needs to try and she'll come back and she'll get over it and then 10 years later or whatever that is she right. comes, she's developing deep emotion to another person and love and love and Polly is love. And now she comes to you did you come to him Shahara? not really it's more like he witnessed it yeah he witnessed can, can you tell us about the moment to someone yeah her attention to someone was definitely more so and you know and then she's requesting time to spend with someone and so as I saw more of this develop now, granted, I'm like, I'm the home person, but now she has her, her other, in a sense, fantasy person. So, so she may do certain things with that person. She may not do with me because of the emotional detachment over there and the emotional attachment here. So all but of that the, was playing into. But there was an emotional attachment on her part. Yeah, well, this is a, well, yeah. this is perfect explanation. That yeah. was his perspective, right? Okay. So, In, so from your perspective, there was no attachment over there. She's there, just there, playing around, and she well, just not, not really. Playing, it, when I say emotional detachment, is the fact that we have so many years together in a house, raising a family, going through bills. In other words, maybe I, attachment and detachment maybe are the wrong terms. It might be just emotional weight. So the emotional weight is a lot heavier over here than right. it is over there. Right. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and the fact that you've you may you have I don't know how you have check-ins, but you have a commitment to each other that I wanted to hear how you do bring that back in. So what mm-hmm. we've done with our kind of logo is that you give each other space. That's what the open nesters is about. And mm-hmm. then how do you bring that back to each other is what I wanted to make sure we discuss too. 
It's a, I think it's more of a learning process. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't something that we understood. Amir kind of mentioned that in the very beginning of the introduction in which, you know, he mentions not us saying that we're not ready for poly and such like that. Correct. Because we weren't familiar with the term. There's a lot of terms that we were not familiar with because as I've also mentioned, I'm a very organic person. I go with feelings. I, I, my feelings don't necessarily have labels. At that time, there wasn't, weren't any books. There weren't any conversations. Actually, you guys were the first people that we even talked about the fact that at that time, mm -hmm. yeah. I had a boyfriend and that boyfriend was maybe months in, maybe a year in, I'm not sure, yeah. but I was deep in love with this person. And so it was still rather new for us that we were navigating. Yeah. There was no community to speak to or get support from. You Correct. were just Correct. there swimming all by yourself in an ocean of unknowns yep. with emotions. I mean, you mentioned the word and I was just like, yeah, that doesn't sound like it's for me, but apparently right. I was already in it. Right, you were already in it. And then you are developing this relationship with this guy and Marvin is watching you on the side, how this happened. He's witnessing it and he is trying to control his emotion, his jealousy. Then what? Then what happened? You are with this guy and then? Well, what helped is the fact that this person was hours away. It always would take a lot of planning. So the physical um, aspect was out of eight years, I was with this person for eight years wow. involved. And out of those eight years, I might have been with him five times wow. physically in that sense. I mean, we were friends prior to, we've had family moments and all of those things, but physically in terms of intimacy, there was maybe five times. So it was difficult in terms of, I believe that Marvin saw the emotional aspect where I wanted to talk to this person as much as possible. You know, I, my attention was elsewhere where he had been accustomed to me have putting him first. So it was a, it was a, an area to navigate, but I, I will say, Amir, yes, both you and Tessa kind of sort of played a role in putting a name to what was going on. And as it evolved, my second relationship came about yeah. and that one was even more intense and what made it more intense is that he was physically closer right and, and i also, remember a time that we were sitting in a in a bar you and me and we were talking about it and you were telling me about the deep emotional connection that you were developing uh, to that person and i was like so i don't know smitten by the fact that you that you can actually do that once he saw that this was a possibility and I actually gave it a label, then Marvin made it a, uh, a goal or a mission, mission to, yeah. to find something similar because right. we did have that conversation that he wanted something that looked like mine. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that I went personally through the same situation where I saw Tessa with her lover and I really wanted, I was not jealous of her or him. I was just, jealous of the fact that I wanted that too. Right. And that was uh, what I needed. So right. yes, I very much identified to what you are talking about.
If you'd like to hear more on these topics of polyamory, sexuality, and jealousy, we have two great episodes that you'll love. In episode eight, Eroticizing Your Jealousy with divorcees Thea and Kurt, and in episode nine, you'll expand your understanding of human sexuality, identity, and capacity with Dr. Rosalind Descavio. And then again, I would love to come back to the communication just for a moment. I know that it's been organic for you, but is there, are there any things like if you had to actually give tips to somebody since you kind of just wandered into this, how would you say what, what, what has helped you hold your relationship intact during those turbulent times, or maybe not turbulent, but explorative times? I guess that's a tricky part because I believe it's about the relationship. We belong to a couple of groups on Facebook. After I knew all about this, I needed to read about it. I needed, you know, to belong to a community and so on. And from what I was observing, sometimes non-monogamy works the same as monogamy. Once you make a decision, everybody's on the search. I'm looking for this kind of person. Correct. Yeah. With time and experience, I realized that there is no formula per se. Mm -hmm. It really is about your partner. So it has, it wasn't pretty. I I will admit Mm -hmm. we were learning to navigate this. There were moments of jealousy. There were moments of distrust. There were breakdowns. There were breakdowns. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there was no turning back because at least for me, I knew that this was right for me. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to quite balance you know, all of it and receive the support because Marvin had always supported me in the choices that I'd made, but he's no, he was no longer being put on the pedestal. Right. And so he had to navigate that while I was navigating my own involvement. I was evolving. I was learning to discover who I, who I was, not wife, not mother, this woman I wanted to gain back that I felt that I lost. And along with that came with something that had already existed, which I believe that have always been non-monogamous. I really couldn't put into words until I experienced more maturity and understanding and Mm -hmm. most importantly, self-love that I realized that I had never really been a believer of marriage as an institution, I do love and have connections with people. Marvin has been my partner. You know, he is my life partner, but that doesn't mean that we're exactly the same in what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And so in those forums, those social media forums, as I was listening in, I realized that there's a lot trying to be forced into rather than being able, as you said, Tessa, to have the communication to right. indicate what your wants and needs are. And not and not, and having the other person not feel threatened by it as well. It's all about That's how such a big one. And I love well. I love how the two of you are navigating that, even with right. the mess and watching, right. watching, you know, that that is the biggest part of it is just watching Jahira her her sensuality her, her powerful woman and you mm-hmm. being able to handle that 
is, yeah. is inspiring. And I love to be able to be witness to it. Mm-hmm. And then I want to jump over again to the open nester part because mm-hmm. it's because we don't have hours to speak like we usually do. <laughs> and and the open nester is that you now have to deal with. And you're, I know that you did come out to your children. So right. tell us a little bit about that and then how that impacted, you know, becoming open nesters for you guys individually and as a couple. I mean, before even doing that, have now that your kids have just about to leave and mm-hmm. the nest mm-hmm. is the open relationship and the polyamorous uh, position that you're in have developed, enhanced in any kind, or it was just a communication with the kids and telling them and coming out to them? Well, we, in terms of the, the, the kids, we came out to them really after we have started involvement with this other couple. And we've been with them now for, Two years. Two years. Over two and a half half years. So we are. So so when we started. It was actually before that. It was before that? Yeah, it was the second boyfriend. Oh, okay. Because he was physically close. And he was hanging about. And that was very unusual. Right. We started off in terms of traditional. Right. Yeah, that was not traditional. Here is this man coming over to the house. Right. And one was already away at school. Mm-hmm. The other one was, uh, she was a senior. She was a senior high school. And, and, you know, one was in middle school. So the senior is extremely observant. Yes. And she finally asked me, what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. who really is this man? Mm-hmm. And I said, do you really, you really want to know the truth? And mm-hmm. she said, you know, yes. And I said, well, I'm involved with him. Dad mm-hmm. knows you know, this is the way mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, can you please tell my brother because I need someone to talk to about this. Right. Wow. And yeah. So it's a beautiful thing that your family is. Yeah. So you oh, talk well, to them together. We're extremely close and that yeah. can kind of be problematic mm-hmm. because sure. there is no hiding. We thought that we were, you know, keeping things discreet, right? discreet. We've always been discreet. And yet it turns out when we finally sat down, the four of us, that he's like, yeah, I already suspected. And I suspected that you guys were swingers. And, but we weren't sure about dad and we would thought maybe he was cheating. And so they were, unfortunately, because of the lack Who knows of what comes in, yeah. You know, they made their right. own deductions. Right. They were, re- and they're relieved that you came out, which I think people don't realize that, of course, children feel something. Very wrong. perceptive and, and- it doesn't even matter how old they are because you're going to think you're doing something and they're going to be watching and they're going to be 10, 11, 12, 13, and you're not going to know. You're not going to think that they're noticing. They're noticing. And I think the biggest factor was, I think it was two things. Mm-hmm. One is we were a single family home for a while. Right. So things were always tight. Mm-hmm. So one of them actually said, I hope that we're not in this situation because you're spending money on other people. Single income. I mean, talk about maturity there. Yeah, they are very mature. And the second thing was time. Mm -hmm. If we were giving time to other people, that sometimes could be problematic. On the expense of the family. Being the, uh, well, being the young people that they are, the world revolves around them. Correct. Sure. So if we were spending time with other people, that meant that we weren't spending time with With them. them. Right. So right. that transition was a little bit different until right. they left for school. Right. 
So that's why I would ask you when you, if you would do it again, coming out to them when they're younger, I don't know age appropriate how that would have worked, but would you have advice for people to do that? I would be more careful in in terms Mm. of how much to disclose. Yeah. Right. I would, if I could do it again, I would say that we're good friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and that there are, there is some intimacy because we really care for each other. But the mistake that that I had made is that I went from one relation to us being in then another relationship. And that's the couple that um, Marvin referred to that Mm -hmm. we've been together two and a half years. And that was where they, um, especially my middle one, had the hardest time because it's another couple. Right. You know, and and trying to, she is very much a tradition and that's the other thing you asked us initially in terms of what was our upbringing. Well, their upbringing was also very traditional. Very traditional. And so we shattered that image. Yes. Yeah. And then they see it also with their, with their grandparents, with her parents, they see very traditional. They see it with their aunt and uncles, very traditional. So now it's just like, here we are you know, don't be an embarrassment and all those things. So as long as things are quiet, things for the most part are okay. But Mm. my youngest is still at home. LGBTQT LGBTQ plus community. So given that she's an, an alt, Mm -hmm. he kind of understands a little bit more. Correct. Beautiful. And is, is a little bit more, more accepting. Yes. Correct. Our son is very much like, you know what? It doesn't affect me. I'm not in a relationship myself to Correct. be an expert. Right. So you guys do you kind of thing. Right. And the rest of so you. So it's family, a personality. Do they, your, your, your immediate family, siblings and parents not, have not. And My siblings kids, know. Your siblings her, know, but her, your her siblings know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so your kids also have to navigate that secret, I would think. So that's also I, for my kids too. Mm-hmm. something they have to look we all have different we all try to compartmentalize our lives at times mm-hmm. things that we wouldn't tell people at work and and that's why this podcast and we've been interviewed for some wonderful normalizing non-monogamy and loving without boundaries podcasts that have are, are out there to teach and this particular episode of our open nesters for people to realize we we wish that society was just non-judgmental and then normalizing things yeah, thing. yeah. yeah normalizing right. things I mean, now that you still have one kid at home, mm-hmm. are you looking forward for them to, for her, to them to also leave the nest so it will make a difference for you if she, if she does or? I don't know if I've actually considered it per se, especially because we're perfectly happy with our relationship. And so, so it wouldn't matter if the kids are there or not. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, public display of affection is is moderated, but you kind of sort of do that even among your own. Yeah, you might kiss. Do they get to see? Do they get to see though when you bring back the love? And that's what I really wanted to ask. Do they get to notice and observe the fact that you are committed to one another and that there's not always wonderful, loving moments every moment of the day because that's not life. But yeah. that, because you've opened up that trust and that space, do they get to witness that? 
Yeah, I mean, we're affectionate with each other. When we have an argument, you can, you know, we've had an argument because, you know, we're short with each other. And then when we're not, you know, and she's in the kitchen and I grab at her and, you know, we kiss or what have you. And, you know, we always, when we see each other, we kiss. When we're leaving, we kiss. And, you know, so the affectionate moments are, are definitely all still there. And there's playfulness all the time. So even though we've been doing all this, the kids see that there's, in terms of attraction between us, and interplay it's there do we have arguments and have issues absolutely but i mean so a lot of their friends as well so we have the normal relationship stuff that goes ups and downs but in terms of them also seeing us communicate with our with that other couple they see that too we talk they're like oh who are you talking with oh, i'm talking i'm talking to this person, you know, this person. So i was gonna ask how how when you when they ask you things and once again reflecting back on their thinking that time is taken from one another or from them mm-hmm. how how have you communicated boundaries that was an we try to be respectful we try yeah. to balance for yeah. example you know i have a running conversation with one of my partners you know as he's coming home from work mm-hmm. and that's sacred time and so therefore I compromise, you know, when my youngest wants some time with me because maybe she hasn't seen me all day and she's been in her room all day and all of those good things, I'll say, can, can um, I have until this time, it might be 5.30 or 5.45 and then I'm all yours. Mm-hmm. So she has that expectation that, all right, mom said that she's all mine at this hour. So there's also negotiation. Mm-hmm but not in, in a negative way. I think that that's also that uh, an example that needs to be set in terms of any relationship. Right, that's part you know, of the boundaries. That everything negotiate, you can yeah. negotiate that kind of time, mm-hmm. regardless of who it is that you are talking to. Regardless of monogamy or non-monogamy. So just Correct. to take this back to any of our listeners who are not, would never consider non-monogamy, The boundaries with children, I think, is such a big area that we're going to be exploring in our podcast in many of the Mm -hmm. cases that we say there are too many, I mean, many people we love and we live with our children with further for them, invested in them, and yet we don't have to live for them because that takes away their ability to then live for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so you're showing them an example that, you know, we have space for you and I make space for you, but love is without boundaries. And I think that is just being able to have, being able to compartmentalize and create space and time is intentionally a beautiful way that you're going at that. And I just want to commend you for that. Really beautiful. Thank you. Well, you know, it's, uh, we've, we've been putting it into practice and have made some adjustments. There have been a couple of books that were helpful mm-hmm. in regards, not that, I mean, there were poly books, but it wasn't about poly. It was about relationships, navigating mm-hmm. relationships with whomever you have mm-hmm. and at whatever capacity. Mm-hmm. Do you um, want to make, do you want to make those suggestions? What books people can read? Uh, let me see. What was the first one? The Ethical Slut or more than The two. Ethical Slut was the very first one. Mm-hmm. And what I appreciated about that one was the acceptance of each person kind of looking at the different personalities and and the portion on jealousy was actually really good in the ethical slut in terms of not taking responsibility for the other person but also what words can you use such as i hear you you know and acknowledging that person so that it's not dismissive or anything like that but at the same time just like we just talked about with children 
also setting boundaries in terms of, I, I am so sorry that you're feeling jealous. I, you know, let me see if it's about time or words or whatever, but I also have this person to give attention to. Again, it's a relationship thing, mm-hmm. it, regardless mm-hmm. of the level of intimacy that you have. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, you got to help me out here, Tessa, because mm-hmm. you more than two, more than two, more than two. Thank you. You already okay. knew which one I was talking <laughs> about. The calendar sharing was very important in regards to how it can be problematic and how it could be helpful. It is not for everybody. Mm. Right. Right. Is there any other opening that uh, may open for you? Uh, that you see once your nest will be totally empty and then open? We as a quad have agreed or acknowledge that each of us are individuals. We are all still swingers. There are friends that we have that that has a different intimacy dynamic, Mm -hmm. but we are a committed quad. And we've all agreed that if we encounter, because it is possible, we never planned to be a quad, this mm. happened completely by yeah. accident, yeah. that we would discuss it because it does affect us. If we've made such a commitment, mm-hmm. then we do have to have a conversation about where we, which, you know, depending on who's the person that that's feeling this way sure. and how mm-hmm. does it affect and so on. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I, my communication has definitely improved as a result of our quad dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's uh, almost all, like all I, around or just with Marvin? All around. All around. Oh, definitely all around. All around. Because now I, I feel, I, and I know for myself, I feel like I have, if we have an issue or something that she says or something that I do that upsets her, something that she does that upsets me, I have another person to talk to. I have another woman that I can talk to. And sometimes she can says, have you looked at it from this perspective? And it's just like, oh, I would say I would say that my relationship with my lover of the same maybe 12 years has mm-hmm. has encouraged his re- communication with his wife so much. Right. It is it is something that we never expect in those things. Right. But, but if we're really with our integrity and if we're really standing for for love in its in its most expansive form, then we're not trying to take from someone else's. We're trying to create more. Right. Correct. And right. so it's great to hear that that's that uh, that, yeah, that a quad like you guys can work this out. I love. Ha- have you I considered? I do recognize we're unique. Yes. Yeah, have you unique. considered moving in with each other once the kids are off? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. The plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that will be an opening that will be after. All the kids are taken care of. They're done. They're exactly. It's a few years Correct. down the road. Yeah, but, but it's definitely yeah, on the table. Yeah, that's the goal for all of us. Right. And how how do how are they? Are they open nesters? Are they are, are their kids? No, are older? actually, or their no kids are a little bit younger. Right. So they have a few more years than we do. Right. I see. Okay. So at some point, actually, Jahira and I were speaking about the woman side of of that and how that sensuality and and opening communication could be also a beautiful thing that s- women that maybe have never considered it because of our programming, or I think you had it as a young child. I didn't have I didn't have the realization as much, and so we will have another episode and discussion about that because that's a whole woman thing. I mean, I saw you at the Mama Gina pussy party, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> if you remember, and we were like, yeah, I 
get to see you and dance with you, baby. <laughs> so it was an awesome weekend. <laughs> so I just want, you know, I want our audience to know that we have many more discussions ahead with this beautiful couple. And to just because we hope that your road is continues to be as evolving and as loving as even with the even with the hardships along the way, nothing's perfect, right? right. No. Any any advice any? that you may give to somebody that has become now an open nester is that their kids are now all grown up, they left the nest, and now they consider perhaps opening their relationship or even going into the swinging world. What would you say to that couple as an advice? Make sure, you, make sure your relationship is already strong. One thing that we did often, even when our kids were young, is we dated. And so we dated off and on. Would you agree? Yeah, we dated off and on, even when our kids were young. And so we maintained attraction in that sense. So that um, if your kids are gone now, you guys haven't gone out on a date in a while, go on a date. <laughs> you know, go on a date, go out to a bar, go to a live music event. I don't know with COVID, but, you know, go <laughs> out somewhere and just enjoy each other's company and make sure it's strong enough so that you can take the next step and do something like that. Don't limit yourself right. to create a picture or a list of what your ideal is or what it is that you're looking for sometimes closes you off to some really beautiful moments. Yeah, put blinders on, yeah. So in your own exploration and in the energy that you put out, that's what you're going to receive in mm -hmm. return. So to allow yourself to simply explore and enjoy will, I think, definitely reward you some beautiful moments mm -hmm. and those nres known as a new relationship energy mm, yeah. is absolutely wonderful and there's nothing wrong if the relationship that you end up receiving is only during that nre it's one thing that i think that we've discovered is mm -hmm. that there is no timeline we went, you know, talking about monogamous versus non-monogamous, you don't have to be life partners per se. Enjoy each and every person and mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. for what it is. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. What a beautiful way to, beautiful to, 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 to actually wrap up. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. we're, you know, we, is there anything else that you feel like you haven't been able to express that you'd like to say to us? Oh, all? we could talk for hours. So we <laughs> might have to leave that for yet another <laughs> episode. <laughs> okay. But if there's anything else that you'd like to tell our audience now, this is a good time to do so. Any advice, any, any tip, or anything that uh, comes to head that uh, really is relevant. If not, it's okay too. Yeah, it's, I guess, yeah, it's just, um, we're just emphasizing the communication thing. Sometimes some, some person's in a relationship and they're scared to express what they're interested in, what their desires are. And if you're there, you've got to be able to, get that out so that the other person can hopefully fulfill some of that for you, or you both can try to experience that together. So we can all live life more fully as individuals and as a couple. Ex How beautiful. Exactly. Thank you. And it's not a midlife crisis, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is simply evolvement. You, mm -hmm. you know, you transition mm -hmm. and there's absolutely not, nothing. Sorry. The whole Latina mixed up right there. Mm -hmm. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with transitioning. Uh, you learn, especially I think as open nesters, that 
you live your life, Correct. not according to society. Yes. Right. You know, it's according to what feels right. And you don't need to apologize. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen, sister. Yeah. I love you. Jahira, Marvin, <laughs> it's been absolutely an incredible so honor. So enlightening. To, Thank you. To hear your story again. And I just realized how much I really miss you. Yeah, company. we miss you guys. We need to get together soon. I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, yeah. it would have been cool seeing each other in person. Oh. Yeah, we, we will do that soon. I just want to thank you again for your time. Thank you for sharing a beautiful honest, genuine story with our listeners, and we will talk to you soon. Till then, thank you. That was a very nice interview. It didn't really feel like an interview. It felt like a conversation with our friends, and I really enjoyed that part of connecting with old friends as much as I enjoyed interviewing and hearing their story again. Going from traditional homes, traditional relationships, to swinging, to open relationship and poly. That's wonderful. And that's without any timeline. It just happened to them naturally. And they're now going into a, something called a pod, of like potentially dreaming of being together as a foursome. So things sometimes beyond what any of us can envision in expanding our love. And it requires very high level communication skills and negotiation skills, and realizing that we can expand our love, but it takes a, it takes a lot of commitment and work. So I want to just give them all my admiration and thanks for this wonderful story. And the takeaway for me was live your life the way you want to live them. Don't get judged by anybody. Don't judge anybody. Live your life the way it's comfortable for you. And as long as you're not hurting anybody, why not? Just do it. And I really enjoyed that and reinforcing that particular message. message. So I would love you to join us in our discussion groups and across social media. You can find The Open Nesters on all the social media platforms, and we'd love you to follow us. And also in our closed private Facebook group where we can have an open discussion too. So join us there. And don't forget our website, www.theopennesters.com. That's double N in the middle, and S at the end. Please leave us a comment. Let us know if you'd like to be a guest on our show, if you have a story to tell. Perhaps you are an open nester dreamer that's looking forward to the time where the kids will leave the home and you can be open to do whatever it is that you want to do. Develop your hobbies, develop a new adventure, travel more, or whatever it is. Till next time, I'm Amir. And I'm Tessa. And we'll see you on the radio. Ciao.